You're listening to episode three of Curtis and Otis. We've been taken by a professional barracuda. Otis, angry that Augusta... A.K.A. the red-headed heartbreaker. Angry that she stole his winning scratch lotto ticket, is now determined to get revenge. He's pissed that she's an actress. Everyone knows that actresses are sly, devious harlots. And he's about to unveil his plan to our unsuspecting Curtis Yardbird. Just coming home from work, Curtis is in high spirits. He's generally good-natured. He is. Perhaps it's naive a type. Or maybe he's enlightened. Doubtful. There sits Otis, stoic, stiff, and furious. Next to him is laid out a ratty old men's suit. Otis? We've been taken by a professional barracuda, Curtis. Uh, Well, that kind of makes you feel better, doesn't it? At least you weren't had by an amateur. It doesn't make me feel better. She got away with it, and she's going to do it again. It's up to us to stop her. It is? If we don't put the brakes on, she'll do it again to the next sad sap. Seem wrong, don't it? does seem wrong. Seems like our moral duty to straighten things out, don't it? Uh... Seems like we should get our $5,000 and we should sabotage her thieving. Seems like we're owed some revenge, don't it? Revenge? Otis turns on the television. It lights up the dark garage and what's playing? None other than the Chippity Choppity Knife Company infomercial, starring Augusta. You've got to be careful with these knives. They're sharp. Make sure you double-check what you're chopping, or you just might chippity-chop your own finger. Buddy, you're going to con the con. Me? You and your fancy accent. Curtis stares at Augusta on the screen. Her beauty mark, three millimeters wide and sitting just above the lip on the right side. Her right side, not ours. Teases him as she smiles. I... uh... Otis reaches for the suit and tosses it at Curtis. From now on, you're Sir Windham, a Shakespeare talent agent and a real modern-day knight. What? Don't argue, Kurtz. This is the only way to get our money and our jobs back. I know what you're thinking, but Kurtz, no lady scoundrel can resist a knight, and you already have knight practice. It's working. Otis is winning him over. Curtis examines the suit. A real knight. Yep, a real modern-day knight, buddy. Wear the costume, follow the plan, and it'll be all right. Curtis starts putting on the costume. Go to the theater and meet her at the rehearsal. Talk nice. Tell her you're an agent and you want to sign her, but you just need a little something up front. My 5000 up front. Get it? In cash, huh? Get it? I I get it, but but why don't you go, Oates? You'd be so much better. Curtis pulls on the suit pants. I would go if I could, Curtis, but the suit won't fit. Uh, Otis, it's got a rip in the butt. What'd you think, Curtis? Do you think I got some fancy Italian Rockefeller thing? Of course not. I thought you'd get me some pants that don't have a hole in them and show my goods to the world. We're going to fix it up. We can patch it up. French has got some sewing accoutrements. Uh, Accoutrement what? 
We'll get it fixed. I still don't get why you, you can't do it, regardless of the suit. She'd recognize me, a milksop. It's gotta be you. Get in there, get the money back, and you know what else? Embarrass her. Crush her confidence. Make her feel like a nothing, just like she made me feel. Tell her she's got no talent, impossible to work with, and a dopey, cliche beauty mark. Get her where it hurts, in a legal way, mind you. Legal, of course. Curtis has now pulled on the full costume. He admires himself in a small mirror hanging on the wall of the garage. This whole thing seems a little underhanded. She's the underhanded one. And remember, what would Jesus do? Turn the cheek and slap the other cheek. She's underhanded, and we gotta underhand her right back. An eye for an eye, Curtis. An eye for an eye. Even out the score. Even out the score. It's practically your duty. Practically. Your royal English duty. I'll do it. Nigel, here's a puzzle for you. How would you represent a montage series in audio form? Good question, Nick. Um, I suppose I'd start with some upbeat music, you know, to set the scene, so to speak. Good start. Then I'd start by describing things. I'd say, over the course of a week, Otis helps Curtis get into character. They both want to create convincing Sir Wyndham. See? Right. First, Otis wants to fix Curtis's hair. They smear giant glob of hair gel and that tangled mess on top of his head and comb it over real smooth so it looks like Rhett Butler. A nice touch. Otis is micromanaging this whole process naturally. Naturally. Next, Curtis has got to learn how to walk proper like. His regular humping, walloping stride won't do, no, no. So Otis makes him practice in the driveway. And every time Curtis slumps, Otis whacks him with a broomstick. Ow. Ow. Ouch. It's for your own good, Kurt. Still hurts. Next, they got to deck him out with all the right accessories. So Otis spray paints a cheap old watch gold, making it look fancy like. Of course, Frenchie's got to fix those ripped pants. Oh, you think just because I'm a woman I can sew? Well, I can. Nice of her to help out, isn't it? Sure is. She's a real help. Now, Curtis has got to learn how to do fancy things. Otis shows him how to smoke a cigar, <coughs> consume an expensive cocktail. Cheers! And lastly, he's got to clean up his shoes. They say a woman can always tell if you're lying or not based on your shoes. That's so. Absolutely. Now, we've got a proper English night. And there's your montage, Nick. And so Curtis has undergone his own Cinderella transformation. In the driveway, Curtis presents himself to Frenchie and Otis. Judge for yourself how he does. How do you do? How do you do, Curtis? How do you do? How do you do? Atta boy. He's a regular, don't you think, Frenchie? Regular what? Regular English bigwig. With a sophisticated and self-defecating sense of humor. Dunno. Never seen a bigwig. What's all this for, anyhow? I'm moving up in the world, applying for baneful employment and whatnot. Thought you already had a job. Not a baneful one. Exactly. Well, I'm still waiting on rent whether he gets baneful employment or not, Mr. Otis. I'm going back inside. Yeah, okay. 
Sunday. Sunday? Yeah, couple extra days, cause he kissed my hand. Sunday, delighted. You're ready, Curtsy, you did good. I gotta tell you, it's, I I'm feeling nervous. I I'm such a dullard, how, how can I do this? <laughs> Sir Wyndham ain't a dullard. Sir Windham don't get nervous. Sit near the front so she's easy, okay? Okay. Okay? Okay, sir. Okay? Very good, sir. Very okay, indeed. Indeed. I am Sir Wyndham, and I am very okay, indeed. Seems he's ready to go. He is. Let's skip ahead of him, right over to the playhouse, where Augusta is currently in a costume fitting for her role in the Shakespeare. Mind you, this isn't like a professional show. It's... Completely amateur. We'll say it's community theatre. Right. Amateurs through and through. The playhouse is old. It was built in the 1920s and has only been barely kept up. Things is falling apart right and left. Indeed, but it still retains its quaint and timeless beauty. Little details, like the beautifully painted proscenium arch, make one feel as though one has truly stepped back in time. There's Augusta. She's being measured for her costume. Chippy leans against the wall nearby, reading a folded-over magazine and sipping a cup of coffee. You gonna be pregnant for the show? Excuse me? Looks like you're pretty far along. Are you, you still gonna be pregnant when the show opens? I'm not having the baby till after. Mm, babies come when they come. Not this one. Cheeky costumer. Here comes the director, Mr. Allen. He looks nervous. Why is he wearing sunglasses inside? And what's with the cat? He carries Mitzi the cat, his comfort animal. Hello, everyone. Get ready to run the first act from the top. I have notes. Ah, he's lifting his glasses to read his notes. Ooh, that looks painful. He's got a nasty black eye. Who could have caused that, I wonder? Doug, you're still not getting the timing. It's... A child shall get a sire. Get it? Child shall get a sire. Yeah. Um, okay, um, it's good enough. Callie. Better during the intro, but stop staring at the ground. Look up! Look up! Callie looks up, her eyes wide in horror. No. Ah, uh, never mind. You can keep just, uh, don't do that. Ah, here comes Edie, an ambitious community theater actress with a bad habit of poking her nose in places she has no business being. Mr. Allen? I'm giving notes, Edie. Charlie, could you puff up your chest more to look more masculine? Charlie puffs up his chest. Wow, he's got a set of pecs, that one. Oh, that's good. That's, uh, really good. Mr. Allen. Augusta. Yes, Mr. Allen? He's about to give Augusta a note. But just then, Mr. Allen notices that Chippy is staring at him intensely, threateningly. Oh, I guess that solves the mystery of the black eye. Uh, um... 
Nice work, Augusta. Perfect. Thanks, Mr. Allen. You're welcome. Perfect? Really? Mr. Allen, we need to talk about pregnant McGee over there. Edie, what do you want? Why is a pregnant woman playing the lead? The lead you promised me. It's not your business how I cast my shows. You prepped me for this role. You practically cast me, and out of nowhere, the knife commercial girl with no experience and a baby on board swoops in and you give her the lead? It smells to heaven. There are forces at play you know not of. You can be the understudy. Understudy? Mr. Allen. Let it go! You're a good girl, Mitzi. You're my only girl. Irritated. Edie slowly walks back toward the stage, her eyes on Chippy. She knows he's somehow involved in this. Edie narrows her eyes. Feeling her stare, Chippy looks up and meets her glare, gazing defiantly back at her. He takes a sip of his drink. In five minutes, we'll start from the top. Outside the theater, Curtis arrives. He's got a bouquet of flowers. He looks up at the playhouse nervously. He spots a poster for the show and steps closer to take a look. He's stalling. Curtis takes a deep breath, centering himself. Here goes nothing. He goes inside. Okay, everyone. Set for the opening. Curtis finds a seat in the back, hidden in the darkness. He watches as the rehearsal begins. Doug and Edie come on stage, holding their scripts. I'll feed you in faith. A pair of stocks, you rogue. Ye are a baggage. The what? Are no Who can understand this Look rubbish? Curtis can't understand either. I can't say that I blame him. Just when it seems like it will never end, Augusta runs onto the stage. Curtis's eyes fly open and he drinks her in. It's almost as if Curtis were living in slow motion. He watches as Augusta leaps straight for Charlie on stage. He jumps back just in time, completely surprised by Augusta. She tumbles to the ground. What the actual... You're supposed to fight me, Charlie. That's Augusta, the whole play. No, 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 no. Am I supposed Augusta, to fight her? Yes, eventually you will fight, but not today. You have to fight me. We have to fight, fight Mr. Augusta, Allen. That's can what I just is say, walking through it. Come on now. Excuse me. Can no, I just say, Augusta, I'm not no, 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 fighting no, with a pregnant Augusta. woman. Okay? Mr. Augusta, Allen, this script is we're just compromised. Walking through He's not willing it. Come on to fight now. Me. He has to fight me. Augusta, Charlie? He needs to fight her. Just everyone, take five. Take five. Augusta stands and brushes herself off. Curtis shifts nervously in his chair and it... At the sound, Augusta looks up and spots him in the audience. Their eyes meet. From a distance, she notes his shiny belongings. The watch, his cufflinks, and his gold-colored tie pin. All fake, of course. Of course but she doesn't know that. Augusta's co-star interrupts her gazing. Come on, Augusta, let's mark it. You're gonna ruin this play, Charlie. Somewhat rattled by his first interaction with Augusta, albeit at a distance, Curtis dabs a bit of sweat off his forehead and exits the theater. What, he's quitting now before he even gave her a go? 
He's conflicted. In the lobby of the theater, he paces, muttering to himself. Should I stay in track, Tricker? This is harder than as he said it would be. He decides to leave. But Chippy has other plans for him. Hey, are you the talent agent? Indeed. Sir Wyndham. However, delighted to meet you. Where are you going? Oh, where where am I? Um, the loo. The loo? Uh, the loo? If I was you, I'd not go to the loo until after you met Augusta and signed her. Of course. I can hold it. Hey, Augusta, got an agent here, wants to meet you. Also, uh, do, do you represent Rhino? Oh, I'm... Maybe. Great. She's coming. You seem a little nervous. Ah, yes, I don't normally deal with Americans. Just then, Augusta enters and approaches. Hi. I'm... Uh, ah, hello. <laughs> Ah, pleasure to meet you. I'm Sir Wyndham, a, a, a talent agent from England. Also a knight. Uh, could could we s- please speak in privates? Uh, in our privates? Uh, <laughs> privately. That, privately, that is. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk privates. With a sly smile, she takes Curtis's arm, her hand sliding toward his watch, and leads him down the hallway, back toward the theater. Chippy starts to follow. It's all right, Chippy. I got this one. And so she leads Curtis off to his doom. You don't believe in Curtis, do you? I just know the effect a beauty mark can have on a fella. We'll find out next time in the story of Curtis and Otis. Cheerio! Um, hello, it's me again, Nigel. Feeling worried about Curtis? Me too. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be a dear and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. The story of Curtis and Otis was created by Alison Volk and recorded at Seven Even Studios in Signal Hill, California, where everyone has a personalised licence plate for their BMW what they leased on credit. Oh, and for a full cast list, please see the show notes. All righty, time for my weekly game of canasta. See you next time.